seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 146 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their computers and gaming tables. I am your host, Daquan Watson, still all in one piece after a crazy weekend, and for 146 episodes, still got my main man, Brian Allen, who's managed to survive the heat down in Texas. Right, still here, grid, uh, at least for the time being, still holding. Man, I feel for y'all. Like we we had our two I'm going to I'm going to use in quotes you can't see hottest days here. Oh my god. That we we did peak over 90 degrees. So we had 90 and I believe like 93 or something. So that was actually like real temperatures. When somebody said it was hot, I'm like, "Yeah, okay, that's actually hot." You know, like our weather reports now are basically, "Hey, good news is we're not going to break a record today." Oh, dude, I remember being down there. I guess this was like around seven, eight years ago, where we had that summer that was like three, almost two months straight of 100 degree days. And then when the temperature actually came down to like 95, like you, it's been so hot for so long. When it got to 95, it felt cooler. That's frightening. You're celebrating that it's 95 and that's where we are. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's rough. Like I can only imagine when y'all, cause y'all started getting hot early this year down there. Yeah, that's the, the part that's frightening. It's like we ain't even, it's not even August yet. And we've already had uh, probably about a good two weeks of 100, uh, 100 degree days. Yeah, that's rough, man. Cause like we're only, like today is it's cooled off and it's only like 88, 89. So like it's definitely a big difference. So I, I hope y'all are surviving that okay. But so far, so good. Before we get into everything, let's go ahead and pay some bills and tell you about our friends over at Cardsphere.com. They are such a great place where you can name your price, literally, on I want to pay this much for a card or I want to sell a card for this much. And then you make the transaction. It's literally that easy. I even have a video about it. Two videos, as a matter of fact, if you want to get a walkthrough of the site and then see how much money you can save using the site. You can check those out over on my YouTube channel. But Great site, great people. You should go check them out over at Cardsphere.com. And then if you want to support the show directly, like Andy Bentley, who's been a patron since June 2020. Thank you so much. You can go over to Patreon.com slash Color of Magic and drop a little dono over there. We'd much appreciate it. And then you can go to ColorofMTG.com slash shop and you can pick up some tokens and play mats, which... I have people in the world who told me that like every person I gave a token to or that want a playmat from me at Command Fest, love them. So thank you to our artists that have been doing work for us. They've been doing a fantastic job and people really love them. So you can go pick yourself up some over at colorofmtg.com slash shop. So this episode, we purposely are going to be going highs and lows on here once we get into the topic. We kind of laid it out that way. So y'all are going to get to go on a roller coaster with us. But uh, let's get into it. And let's start today. And this is going to get me some heat. So possibly going to get me some heat. But one of the things that came up from the weekend is I spent some time talking with the other content creators. Because we had a couple of content creator panels where we were answering questions and stuff. And some of just hang out, hung out for a bit, you know, afterwards. Answering questions, helping each other, fill in some things or 
hey, I'm thinking about trying this. I saw that you're already involved in this. Can you give me some tips? You know, a lot of that, just kind of networking type stuff. And one of the things that came up was that each of those people is grinding. Like they're putting in work and they're researching things and they're reaching out to people and they're keeping spreadsheets and some of them are scheduling stuff two months out. And, you know, like these people are working. They're treating it like a business, treating it like a job and they're succeeding. And when you don't, you fail. It's kind of that easy. Well, will there be outliers? Sure, there is in every walk of life. But generally speaking, if you're not treating it like a business, you're going to fail. And people already fail at business and people already fail at content. So if you're not even trying to do both, you don't even give yourself a fighting chance. But this well, I'm talking about people pour millions of dollars into things and fail. Oh, for sure. For sure. This comes up, though, because we each mentioned it and it was different people. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus specifically, but multiple people coming around posting about, well, I'm already doing everything right. I don't know why anybody doesn't watch my streams or go to my YouTube channel or whatever it is, right? I can't get followers on TikTok, whatever. And it's like, no, you're not doing everything right. Matter of fact, if you don't follow him, Roberto Blake is a good follow both on Twitter and on YouTube. And he really does a lot of content about helping creators be better and stuff like that. But he had a post from last week and a woman had responded to him about how she's still struggling and, you know, has to work through stuff and didn't understand whatever. I went and checked out her YouTube channel. It was garbage. And I'm not even saying that to be like mean. I mean, it wasn't even like the font she chose weren't readable. Her banner was rough and didn't even relate to her stuff. Like none of her thumbnails were quality. Her titles were bad. Like nothing before I even clicked on a video, I she could have had the most brilliant high level. I, I, I'm assuming not because I didn't watch it, but like could have been the best video ever has the absolute crappiest packaging. You know, like some people have reached out and been like, oh, well, you know, you got to get lucky on YouTube when I was like, no, you you don't. Does it make it easier? Yes. But there are people out here putting in time and having success. Like, there's a reason. Like, when I click on some people, like, your opener sucks. You're rambling too much. Your, your video quality is bad. Your lighting's awful. Like, your music's too loud. Like, you, you have too much dead time. Especially, oh, my God, especially gamers, whenever they're playing games and trying to make content. I watched somebody who had, like, three minutes of silence while they were playing. I'm like, who the hell wants to watch that? Like, somebody who's playing a game and, like, even in between and like the loading screens and whatever, like none of that's edited out. So I'm just sitting with this person because I'm trying to like see what they're complaining about, why they're not getting views. There's like a whole three, four minute section of them like finishing a game, going through updating their settings or whatever, coming back, loading into a game, waiting for it to find an opponent. And there's nothing going on. Just literally them sitting there on the camera watching. I'm like, this is terrible. You didn't put any effort into editing. Why does anybody want to watch this? So when I see people complaining, when folks are out here grinding and really trying, and don't get me wrong, I get it. If you got a family, you got a full-time job, whatever, you're not going to be able to be on the hustle 24-7. Totally understand. But even for what you're doing, if you're not taking the time to research or whatever, and that came up too, because they were like, well, if you don't have the money to spend or whatever, like, you can't tell me you don't have money to spend to make your stuff better if you want it to be in suitable form of income for you. And then just tell me like, oh, but I bought this new Xbox. 
right? Like you, you are choosing, and it's fine to buy the Xbox, but you're choosing where to spend your money. And you can't say there's not quality resources because we've talked about it before. One of the biggest niches on YouTube is telling people how to be good at YouTube. Right. Like you can, and, and if you're worried about, well, I don't know who to listen to or whatever, just Google search it. Look at the first 20 articles. If you see somebody's name or channel mentioned three or four times, put them on a list because it means enough people think they're right. <laughs> it's pretty easy to do if you do the work. But to see people just, and don't make it wrong, like there are real reasons and excuses people struggle. I understand. But there are a lot of resources, infinite amounts of resources. If you're just choosing not to use them and you fail, and then you're going to keep making the same thing for months on end. It's like we talked about before, those people that stream for like three years to four people. Like, I don't know how people do it. Credit to the persistence. And I mean that genuinely, because I would have either give, given up or changed entirely well before the end of year three. But there's people that do it. And I don't understand. Like, you know, if you're not changing anything, how do you expect things to get better? And to walk around assuming you're doing everything right when you obviously don't have the results that other people are getting, you should stop and say, okay, what is it that other people are doing? What am I, what's not working for me? How do I honestly think my video is good? Do I honestly think my thumbnails are good? Hell, I'll be honest, I'm having some damn good success lately. If you ask me what I rate my own videos, they're like a six and a half, maybe a seven. Like being real about it. You know, if you ask me how good are my thumbnails, those I actually worked on a little bit lately, they're getting better. They're probably a seven and a half. So if you think you're doing well and making it and you're doing way less than me, understand where the bar is. Because the bar is really high these days on content. That's, that's the hardest thing about making, especially for games. Like, because we got all the nerds and the tech people and the artists and whatever. So the bar is very, very high. And if you're not going to put in the time, you're just going to struggle. But the hardest thing as humans, we got to self-assess and sometimes be hard on yourself. And you just got to admit sometimes when your stuff's crap so you can get help and fix it and make it not crap. All right. I'm stepping down, Brian. I'm going to pass it over to you. I'll probably get angry grams for that one, but you know. Not the first time, and I'm sure it will not be the last time we get to Maggie Grams, but uh, as you may have seen, we had somebody walk into Dallas Love Field to pull out a gun, just start shooting, or start to say weekly, almost daily <laughs> attempted shooting in America, and again, so many red flags. This person had, had multiple interactions with the police, apparently burned a house down and still somehow has not gotten the help that she needed. And now she's opening fire in, a, in an airport and causing, you know, thankfully, I think nobody other than she, she was apparently not injured too badly. Nobody else was injured, thankfully. But that's that's where we are. It's frustrating. And, I mean, and it's now police reports are coming out about her various contacts and how apparently she told one of the police that she was God's prophet and told somebody else that she wasn't going to talk until till she talked to her husband, R&B singer Chris Brown. Imagine how detached from reality you are where you think dropping Chris Brown's name will get less flack from the police. I just... That, that's rough, man. And the only reason I even knew about that story, because I have a few gamer friends that were traveling last weekend, and they were 
caught in the middle of it, you know, people running for the escalators and stuff from the way they described it. You know, but apparently some people got shot because they, they talked about seeing people bloodied up and whatever. So I, I don't know. But yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. Hopefully uh, nobody y'all know were involved in that. Uh, no, nobody that, that I, I'm aware of. And I guess by now we, we probably would have heard. But that's just b- bizarre to look at the stories and then see her record and, and how many times she has been either arrested or come into contact with police and or mental health and parents at one point found completely incompetent to stand trial, but that she posed no danger to the public. Yeah, How can both of those things be true? Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> and, and to be honest, like, and I know this is getting a little more political even than what we normally do, but like people need to understand that when people are asking for there to be rules and checks or whatever, it's not to take guns away. It's just to deny access to people like this that are already struggling with society as a whole, obviously mentally detached from reality in a lot of ways, already has a history of violence, yet they were still able to get a weapon and unfortunately ended some people's lives last week. You know, just like why that shouldn't even have been possible. Any other country where they have guns, which is a lot of them, that would never even have been an issue. You know, that that's tough. It's tough. Well, all right, Brian. At least it's that time of the week where we get to talk about some more interesting things. And uh, I think you actually have something pretty interesting this week. So let's tell the people about it. Yeah, apparently, uh, some folks in Texas have given their power, respective power companies, permission to turn down their thermostat without asking them. And then supposedly that's part of how we've been able to keep the grid afloat during this record heat we've been having. And some people said, hey, if you need to, to, to keep power on, turn my stuff down or up or whatever you need to do, because you'll have this problem again during the winter. Whatever you need to do to my thermostat to keep the grid intact. I am allowing you to do. And so, first of all, I didn't know that was a thing you could do with your utility company. It's placing, obviously, a huge amount of trust in your power company. So, I guess, you know, kudos to, to multiple people you know, taking it, taking one for the team and letting their power company adjust their thermostat as need be to keep our kind of garbage power grid intact. Man, I, uh, I'm i kind of torn on this one. Like, part of me is like, okay, creative solutions. I'm a big fan of that, right? And this is kind of one of those ones where it's like, hey, how do we help the situation? We can just, you know, raise the temperature on some people's thermostats to keep them from running too too cold, right? Like, that seems like a good thing. But the other part of that is my understanding, well, one, that means the power company spent some money to somehow figure out a system that alerts them and then changes it or whatever. So they are so the power companies can't fix other things, but they spent money creating a whole system to come up with this thing. That that's the weird part. But that aside, I'm a little concerned that I would have to give a whole company of people separately access to my stuff because a lot of people have their nest tied to like their home security thing or like yeah. their Google home or whatever. So I'm assuming that's how it works, that you have to give them access to multiple things or devices in your house. That makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Just a little bit. 
it's probably safe. It's probably 99% safe, to be honest. But, like, you know, it, it's there, the idea. Either the, you know, the, the, the tough choices we got to make as the world starts to fall down around us. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, right? If you were one of those people who were frozen out for one reason or another or lost, I don't know, family members or whatever to the freeze, like, you're probably willing to do a lot more to make sure it doesn't happen again. And we were uh, we were uh, without power during the freeze. So, yeah, I think it's probably a thing we would at least consider doing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so I sort of get it right. Part of you is just like, well, I don't know. This is a little weird. But at the same time, and I guess it's like if you can't trust your power company, you've already got some issues because, you know, exactly. I'm sure that they probably already have your credit card information or your, your bank information. So at that point. That's exactly where I was headed. I was just thinking about, well, they already have other info. Yeah, almost everybody, I think, at this point. Well, I won't say almost everybody, but let's say I guess of a certain age group probably pays their stuff from, you know, through online or or through some form of, you know, direct transaction. And then, of course, you know, it's always fun to try to explain to older relatives, like, why don't you you ever go to the bank? Like, I don't actually need to go to that. Then, of course, having to always take them to the bank because they they ain't doing any of that direct deposit. I want to see my money. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting, though. That's actually a pretty cool solution, uh, honestly. Like, it's not one I would have thought of, it's not as good as, you know, connecting the power grid to some other part of the country or fixing the outdated power grid, but, you oh, know, yeah. baby but, steps. But that could lead to some people making less money. So we don't want to do that. Right. You know, baby steps, Texas, baby steps. Well, hopefully I'll ba- get some people to take those steps a lot faster. Baby steps on extremely hot concrete. Exactly. There you go. Uh, so for myself, this is this is a weirdly... I'm going to say a little bit egotistical realization for two reasons. And the first kind of as a result of actually, let me just talk about like this weekend real quick, right? Just being out at the command fest Bellevue, really cool. Stayed busy. Most of the weekend had some great panels, met a bunch of great people, got to meet a lot of people who were listeners of the show, watch my YouTube stuff, saw some of our play mats out in the wild. So that was cool. Uh, And then people just coming up and just being surprised at like how often I was positively mentioned in discussions or how excited both, you know, other creators and I don't know, what do we call non-creators these days? Just the muggles? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe we're not using that term anymore. Uh, Were we ever using that? Well, yeah, when 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 Harry Potter was was big, and now now it's like uh, I don't know the commoners. I don't know. It sounds so bad. Like yeah, that sounds really bad. You know what I mean? The non-creators, <laughs> just the fans, the viewers, uh, were coming up and and talking to people, just seeing like how excited they were to just like see me in person, and you know the stories I heard from people about man, you know your stuff really got me through COVID and. You know, you gave me and my son something to watch every day and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, man, you know, there was a lot of like really touching things that happened. And it led to my second realization was that in my former life, I was always, I I guess as an adult, I've always done things that have made people happy, 
you know, whether it's running a convention or a tournament or selling games or whatever it is. But it was always about the other thing being the item that made the people happy. And then after this weekend, having to have that deeper rationale of just, I am the thing now that makes people happy. Like, it's weird. It's a weirdly egotistical thought, right? You have to have this weird balance of like, people are happy because I exist, like literally. But at the same time, you can't let it go to your head of just like, man, people are really digging the fact that I exist, yeah. you know, <laughs> right? So it, it's weird. So I've spent a couple of days in this like, you know, kind of toying with this realization of how different it is then to now. And it's actually kind of cool, kind of different. But, you know, I just want to say thanks to everybody. I was really surprised. Like, And then uh, I did an episode of Casual Magic with Shiva. And he was posting about it yesterday and it was going live and seeing all the positive comments people had about me and our conversation. It was just like, man, sometimes you, I get, I guess I get so head down and trying to make sure all these projects are going off and I'm having all these meetings and whatever to realize that like, oh man, we are actually making an impact on people and people are paying attention. So it's actually really cool. So thank all of you for that, for listening, for buying, for just being good people and passing the word along because it, as much as we're trying to make a difference for you, it does make a difference for us as well. So now that I've been all mushy, <laughs> let's uh, hop in into some our first real crazy deep topic this week. And I don't even know where to start other than say that we have now jumped the shark on even being racist. <laughs> like, we need a new term for... I don't even know. It's not even just being outwardly racist. It's like being like, th this is not even exaggerating. Like when we say like they're being Nazi level, whatever, like this is damn close. <laughs> I mean, like, quiet parts out loud, all of that. Just, yeah. just, uh, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So for those of you who don't know, and we're, I'm going to work up to what the story is, but there's a company that's going by the moniker of new TSR in you TSR. Now you may have heard the name TSR before because that was the original uh, name and parent company for the company that owned Dungeons and Dragons. And then wizard of the coast bought them, I don't know, around 2000 and then just absorbed them into the wizards brand. And, you know, D and D continued to be published under wizards of the coast. Well, there's a long kind of chain of events that lead up to where we are now with, like the TSR name, copyright or something lapsing and then different parties trying to buy it and, you know, people wanting to reboot some games and then some not being able to get approved or whatever. There's a whole series of things. But ultimately, this kind of starts to come to a head in last summer. I want to say in June, Ernie Gygax, who my understanding is this is one of the offspring of Gary Gygax, who's one of the two creators of Dungeons and Dragons. So you probably heard that name before. But he, through, through the grapevine of the industry, there have been some, um, when his name comes up, the word unsavory is usually associated. So not a surprise to see that when he was online, he did a couple of interviews and he's, he's posting stuff online. He's talking about different things. And he's just a bad dude. Like somehow, once the TSR name back and thinks that Wizards did his father wrong or whatever, 
and that the new gamers are just screwing things up and they don't know anything. And, you know, he's insulting trans people and like just the worst PR person you could imagine if you're trying to restart a nostalgic brand, right? Like doesn't make any sense at all. So the dude has no concept of self, no awareness. But anyway, battle goes on. There's actually a lawsuit out right now for them and Wizards of the Coast. Uh, I believe there was also, there's another guy, Gax. I don't know if it's brother, cousin, whatever, but I guess that's part of a dispute as well in this with Ernie. So it's it's kind of a big mess right now. And they tried to involve like Gamma and then there was some stuff with Gen Con. It's just like, it's it, the whole thing is a mess. And then they tried to push back against Wizards and then they blocked Wizards online and tried to make a big stink, stink about it, which most people didn't really care. Like, <laughs> And then I guess they realized how much heat they were getting by being idiots. So then they appointed somebody else to be their social media manager. And then magically, nobody ever heard from that person again. <laughs> so nobody knows what's going on with these guys. But then they apparently... I guess, decided they were going to start a new website, so not just the TSR thing, and my guess is to cover their butts in case this Watsi lawsuit, which is supposed to happen in 2023, because that's how lawsuits go, likely won't even make it to trial, to be honest. But they opened one called Wonderfiled, which I guess eventually became Wonderfilled. I don't know if it was supposed to be Wonderfilled in the beginning and somebody couldn't spell or what, but whatever. That's what happened. <laughs> And so now they have that and they have TSR hobbies. I guess that's a way to try to get around the name or something in the short term. So that ended up being a whole story and mess. And then they're trying to like make some kind of weird statements during convention season that they're, they deserve to be part of it or whatever. So yeah, it's people have no idea what's going on with this, but then we get to, we'll skip ahead a bit to present day. And by the way, there's a whole, if you do a search on history of new TSR and new TSR, there's, there's a whole, there's timelines of stuff if you want to see it online. But they decided they were going to reboot an old fan favorite game called Star Frontiers, which lots of people are excited about it. Star Frontiers, very old game, hadn't seen an update or reprint in literal decades. So people are like, hey, cool, they're finally going to make a new one of these. And then I saw that people who were really psyched about it immediately were like, nope, don't have nothing to do with this. And I was like, oh, crap, what the hell happened? So, of course, we had to investigate. And boy, <laughs> guess what we found? There was a bunch of leaks around their products. I get. I am assuming they were going to try to kickstart it or something. And uh, you know what? I'm not even going to. I, I was going to just paraphrase, but I think I'm just going to read it. Yeah, please. Just, just so go going down this sheet, they this particular sheet I'm looking at, they have examples of races in Star Frontiers. Star Frontiers New Genesis is the full game title, by the way. Go through. It's got like Cyborg, Moltar, which is one of their made up races. The Greys, which I think are just supposed to be like the big gray aliens you always see. The Greens, also the same, but they're extremely fast. They didn't try very hard in this. They have reptilians. Okay. Negro. All right. I'm not super offended by that. I'm kind of okay with it. 
Subrace of Ulfar, humanoid class. All right, cool. Tall, thick bodied, dark skin, even purple dark. All right, fine, whatever. Brown eyed race with large strength, average intelligence, all attributes in the range of 10 plus, except intelligence, which is maximum a plus nine. WTF. <laughs> yeah, like literally, like, wait, run that by me again. Right. And I'm like, so you basically said black people are real strong, but they're always going to be dumb. And purple dark. You're like, what the? Yeah. And don't Just... get me wrong. You know, as well as I do, being Louisiana, there's some blue, black and purple black people. I mean, you know, but dog, like you can't like, man. But then after I took a breath, I realized we weren't done yet. <laughs> Right below this, there's Nordic. And by the way, these aren't even done alphabetically, which makes me think they put these at the bottom on purpose, these two. So Nordic is also just the Ulfar race. So I guess this is the regular race of which the Negroes are the sub-race. Not being hidden at all there. They're tall, blonde, blue-eyed, with exceptional attributes and power. All attributes are in the 13 plus range. <laughs> like, bruh, did you really, did you really just be like, well, black people can be really strong and, but they're dumb. But if you're blonde hair, blue eyed and tall, everything's awesome. You're 13 plus. Yeah, they went there. They like, they, they, come on, they man. Like, you're not, and this is what I'm saying. They're not even trying to hide it. Like, not even remotely. I guess that's the marketing plan is, hey, we're just going to we're going to Fox News this. Basically, we're just going to we're going to appeal to the worst elements. It's just unreal, unreal. And then people that were also called out in Watsi's lawsuit that I guess are either friends or part of this new TSR company or whatever. They were online threatening some other people who shared some of the information publicly or whatever, which. I don't know what they're trying to defend. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> is this you? Like, seriously? You wrote this? Yeah. Their best plan would have been to, like, change some documents and be like, I don't know where you got that. This is what I'm yeah. like. You know what I mean? Like, what are you even, like, so you're just admitting to being like, yeah, that's ours, but you shouldn't have told people about it. Right? And then. As if a, there was some polite or nice way to break this through. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play this. It's Okay. Oh, no, no, no. We're not even done. There, This goes even deeper. So there's a, uh, this was just a couple days ago, actually, last week, where a video came out that showed what appears to be a Google Drive that's owned by the people involved with new TSR that actually has a list of enemies of the company. Oh, dear. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? And it's literally like, like Luke Gygax is on there. It's got different online personalities. It's got some other like known people who've shown up in some of these court cases. It's like it's, the book of things the Tasmanian devil eats and it's everything. And everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and not only that, like, you know, they're in on the racism because like multiple people are just described as woke like description on one Heidi Gygax was 
do not trust woke. Wow. Literally, that's what it says. I'm not even making this up. Like, Cinder Shadow, which I think is somebody's online name, is traitor to TSR, trusted him, woke. I mean, like, literally, like, this This is what's in here. I'm not, I wish I could make this up. But like, Traitor and woke. God. Oh, now, okay. I'm going to use a terminology to just to explain how bad this is. But this is not my word. This is literally verbatim. So please excuse the language, but this is what's in here. It has uh, Logan Hovermail described as, actually, by the way, this column actually says hater notes. I just want to put that in there. What? It does. I'm not making this up. You can see it. It's online. I swear to God. I'm reading it from the website right now. This 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 list is put together by grown people. And again, this, this actually says tranny woke garbage son of Michael K. Hovermail. These these wow. are these are the people I that run mean, this company. You, you you put all this stuff down on paper. I just <laughs> yeah, like this is real. Like I mean, and you're talking about all kinds of slurs through this thing. Of course, like it's it's just a mess, just a mess. I'm just like, how is this like? You literally look at some days and go, like, is this real life? Like, did somebody actually do this thinking they were going to put this out? Nobody was going to notice or see or read any of this. And they're somehow going to go ask people for money. Like, this this is... I don't even know, man. I Like, like you know, you're talking about being a loss for words. I'm just like, they, they've checked all the boxes for us. Like, you don't even have to be like, ah, these people are terrible. Obviously. They, it'd be hard for them to be more terrible. If you were a writer creating characters, <laughs> you you couldn't you couldn't you would you would write this down and be like, nah, they can't be this racist and stupid. I it mean, honestly, if nothing else, Wizard of the Coast might be able to make a case of like people associate us with TSR, and this is what's associated with TSR's brand. We don't want that damage. You right. know what I mean? Like that might be enough to make a case out of. I don't know. But if you're talking about any stuff, and, and here's the thing, there is literally a laundry list of stuff going back at least two years, maybe even three years, from Ernie Gygax and crew just being complete jerks publicly. Like, I mean, there's line entry after line entry. So even if you go before a court, I mean, they've got infinite yeah. stuff to use against you from a character perspective. So it's going to be hard for you to win some things if you're trying to be like, well, we're trying to be the good guys here, whatever. You're going to have a hard time getting a jury to side with you. Yeah, you certainly can't let them take the stand and speak for themselves. Oh, no. <laughs> just... Oh, no. That would be the first thing I would ask to do if I was on the uh, opposition. Yeah. Like, for sure, I'd try to get one or two of them on the stand. Uh, I guess if you ask them that, this in the criminal case, uh, I guess if you ask them to take the stand, they pretty much have to. There's not, yep. no fifth Fifth I would thing going on totally here. do that, which is probably if they have smart lawyers to be like, look, dog, like we just need to settle and get a new name. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't take me. You, you're not good with words. Yeah. Like I just don't even understand, but yeah, there you go. So that's out there. Ugh, gross. I mean, really like it's one of those things that like you read through it and it just makes you feel gross. That's the only thing like it just, Awful, awful people. So, yeah, I would recommend not buying the game. If at any point they decide to go public with it 
If they decide to have a Kickstarter, I would recommend sharing with people online that like these are people you probably don't want to support or buy from and try to make sure that project doesn't make as much money as it could because it'd probably be in all of our best interests. That's what frightens me is, I mean, I think they know there's an audience for just people that want the worst elements in their gaming. Sure, but my thing That's is, who do you even me. find to play with? Other people that want the, <laughs> the worst. Because here's the thing, like, maybe, but, like, I mean, I guess people that are like that have friends like that? Yeah. That, are also, that happen that's, to that's also be how, how gamers that, that want to play a space adventure game? Like, I don't. I don't know. Like we talked we about this off know the air too, how though. many unsavory elements there are in gaming. It's sad. Sure. It's true. I just don't know if there's enough that are into that particular genre to make it a regular gaming thing for you. Because here's the thing. Like we, we talked about this off the air. I think right? there, like, sadly, there are people that probably aren't even into that, but they will buy it to support the racism. That's probably true. But like we talked about the fact that both Star Wars and Star Trek, which are the most popular space adventure things we have, are about unifying races. So, like, why would you even go into the idea of making that genre of game to be the one you're going to bring all these racial overtones to? I can't say undertones because it's definitely overtones. Yeah. Right? Like, nothing is subtle. That zero subtlety here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's no the nuance. part that doesn't make sense to me. Right, because you could have just done regular, I don't know, battle army mech stuff, whatever. Probably would have been more fitting for them I in think that audience. Probably not talented enough to do that. So their whole sale is, hey, it's not woke. It's the opposite of woke. I mean, it's I the, guess the most so. Vile stuff imaginable. But yeah, I, I like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. But hey, you know, people are going to do what people are going to do. So. I would just recommend not supporting it. Make sure other people don't. Also this week, we had some very, uh, I, I don't know, kind of sad, like kicking the nostalgia gland in the wrong way. But the Choco Taco is being, at least at a minimum, temporarily discontinued. And actually, I had one of those in the last two weeks. And I was like, I would even have the thought of like, man, I should probably eat these more often. Well, apparently, because I wasn't eating them often enough, I'm responsible for us losing some Choco Tacos. I guess. That just, that, that's where I was. I was like, oh, that's sad that I sat there and thought, realistically, when was the last time you had one? I'm sure it's been 10 years or it's been a day. And, oh, I, and I actually would consider myself somebody that likes them. But it's... Yeah, before that, it'd probably been at least two, three years before I, since I had one. So, yeah, I'm I'm just as guilty. But... The funny thing, okay, for those of you that don't know, because we do have some international listeners, a Choco Taco, like if you've ever had an ice cream cone or what we call a drumstick, which is basically a waffle cone with ice cream inside, and then it's dipped on the top in chocolate with like nuts or something on top of it. Choco Taco is basically the same thing with different geometry. It's basically a waffle taco rolled up, and then it has a whole bunch of ice cream in the middle, and then that space across the top is just dipped in chocolate and your nuts lay across that. <laughs> so it's basically the same thing, just a different form factor. But it still tastes awesome. <laughs> but it was funny seeing how upset people were getting online about it. And like, I know damn well, a bunch of people are like us and we ain't been eating enough Choco Tacos to justify that for them. 
So, you know, nostalgia hurts sometimes. It's not always positive. But I did do a little bit of research into it. And the company had made some statements along the lines of they were basically in a situation where, I guess because of the pandemic or maybe demand has increased on some of their other product lines, they had to pick some of the bottom performers, even if they're not the worst, to just take them off the line for a while so they can meet demand of this other stuff. And then once it levels out or they come up with a new plan, they may consider reintroducing it because there's obviously a thing here. And they even read it. I, if I remember right, they did a thing not that long ago with Taco Bell where Taco Bell was offering like some version of the Choco Taco yeah. or something. So there's still interest and other brands still understand the nostalgic importance of it and want to use it. So wouldn't surprise me if it comes back. But yeah, it was one of those things that seeing people get so upset about it, I thought it'd be a fun thing just to at least mention for people that didn't know. Or it's going to make you very sad when you discover that, damn, I should have been eating Choco Tacos. You know, hell, I know some people that used to raise hell when they discontinued the strawberry ones. Because those left a long time ago. I don't think I've ever, I didn't even know they existed. I'm just yeah. now I'm upset. Had I known about that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, those went away, I think, like 10 years ago or something. They, they've been gone. So I guess the regular Jocko Tacos days have been numbered. <laughs> Was living on borrowed time? Like, I don't well, this know. This could be a Mexican pizza situation where, hey, you'll come back and now it'll be a huge demand for it. Because as somebody that ate the Mexican pizza all the time, I never saw it sell out until it had the big comeback. And there was lines around the block. Like, where are all your people come from? Had you been eating it before, they wouldn't have discontinued it. Oh, it's exactly the same, right? Because ta- the thing that frustrates me most about Taco Bell is like, let's say you want a, what, like a double-decker taco or whatever, right? You can roll up and they'd be like, ah, we don't have those anymore. But I'm like, but you have all the parts. Like, you, you, right? you literally make all the things. We're not doing it. <laughs> but they won't make it for you. So I've actually seen people be like, oh, can I order like two tacos, but you just put cheese between them <laughs> and just charge me for both? Right. And like, they, they just made it. It's the same thing. You got to be tricksy like hobbits. Yeah. So, I mean, same thing with Choco Taco. It's a drumstick. It's just flatter. You know what I mean? Like, it's the exact same parts. Just looks different. But yeah, I'm I'm a fan. So hopefully we will see it come back. But uh, yeah, there you go. There's your news on some food. Well, we actually get to talk about Twitter in a positive light this week. Whoa, wait, I get hit with more music. Why? Why more music? But uh, yeah, so Twitter. What's it's alive. On? It's live. It's got a mind of its own. All right, there we go. I think we're good now. But seriously, Twitter did a thing. That was positive for creators. It takes no money from anybody. Makes potentially the viewing experience better and makes life better for sure for the creators. They actually implemented a thing where people can share their ban list. That's a hallelujah right there. Yeah. And to my knowledge, this is the first time any website, company, social media network, whatever, has made this an option. I, I Feel free to hit me up online and let me know if I'm wrong, but I couldn't find where this is a thing I could do on other platforms because I looked briefly. But this is actually kind of cool. Especially if you're one of the bigger creators that, who knows, you probably put, by then, several hundred people on your ban list. Yeah. <laughs> like, having another friend that's coming up, having some problems, you'd be like, hey, 
Why don't you go ahead and, you know, link yourself to my list? Now, there is a number, and I can't remember. I have to go back. But there is a number you can be linked to at one time or something. But you can also just take those names, copy them, transfer them to your list, whatever, if you need to. I see Twitch has added it, too. Or that you can have up to, I think, with up to 30 other streamers. Oh, sorry. I meant to say Twitch. Did I say Twitter? You said Twitter. Okay, no, it is definitely a Twitch thing. It's not not a Twitter thing. It's a Twitch thing. And... The cool part about it is there were some concerns early on, right? Where people were saying, well, what if, you know, because some people have certain rules or things or whatever in their channel said, what if I end up on somebody's ban list and then I just get connected on somebody else's channel that I'm already cool with, but then I end up getting banned. Well, the good news is you're not auto banned because somebody shares a ban list. But what happens is when you're chatting, you can, if my understanding is correct, you can come up with some symbol or color or whatever that lets them know that you could be a problematic person. So this is kind of a nice middle ground, right? Somebody says something that I think might be a little off color or a little aggressive or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is one of those people, right? So then I could go and make a decision right then on how I want to deal with it. But if it's somebody I'm familiar with or it's their first time or whatever, it's just like, ah, okay, we'll just keep an eye on this person. But now your mods have at least a little bit of an indicator of like, okay, I may need to jump on this person sooner or not. So I kind of like that. This is, dare I say it, this feels like a thing that Twitch actually thought out before they did it, and it's kind of good. Every now and again, you know, they they find I mean, an acorn. Yeah, you know, I, I'm good with it. I, this, is, this is truly one of those things where I'm like, I don't know what the downside is here. I think this is an actual all upside thing. And again, it costs nothing. Probably just a little programming time on their side. So it's low cost, low effort, and it will not change the viewing experience for 99.9% of the people on Twitch. It's actually pretty sweet. So, you know, again, as much as we like to harp on companies when they do stuff, we got to go ahead and give credit where it's due, too. Yeah, because we we give Twitch grief, and many times they earn it. But hey, this is one where they... Yeah, this is a good this is good enough that I think I'd like to see other sites follow suit. I mean, you know, how cool would it be to have that same thing on say on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter where like somebody you see a post from someone and it highlights in I don't know, red or pink or something or whatever, you're like, "Oh, this is one of those people." All right, cool. I can feel safe blocking this person and not worry about it. You know what I mean? Like that could be pretty cool, but yeah, good good step, Twitch. I didn't think I'd be saying that today, but here we are. Now there was some other interesting news that Wizards of the Coast. Why are, we, why are we doing this today? It's trying to take the, the podcast and achieve sentience to quad. It's, it's got to mind its own. It is it is a catchy little ditty though. I don't mind, but. Wizards of the Coast announced on their Thursday stream last week that they were going to put Legends cards that they found from a few cases of Legends sitting in their warehouse into the collector's boosters of Dominaria in a month or so. This was actually kind of interesting, and it got a lot of people talking. Because this kind of harkens back to those you don't know, when they did the first Zendikar release, the whole idea was to have hidden treasures, because... Zendikar is an adventure plane and, you know, that whole thing. And behind the scenes, 
they had taken or purchased a bunch of expensive magic cards over the years uh, off the market and then just went and randomly inserted those into booster packs in the print run, which is pretty sweet. Uh, lots of people got all kinds of valuable cards, dual lands, power nine, all kinds of stuff, which is great. And you just got this random other card that showed up in a booster pack. So just extra value. People were jacked about it. We went back to Zendikar. They decided to introduce the expeditions. And that's where we got those. Well, this time they're going to do Dominaria and it's the 30th anniversary and they're doing a flashback thing. They probably wanted a new promotion to do something fun. And they decided we're going to do this with boosters with the legend boosters. Now there's a couple of different parts of the story. The first is people saying, well, how do we know they really found boosters and they didn't just print new ones? Uh, because you're dumb. Like <laughs> the idea that like one, okay, let's be fair here. People may not know this, but the difference in paper quality and ink and everything from 1994, five that would have been to now is drastically different if wizards were to just print legends cards today they wouldn't look feel smell the same if they tried to source all the materials to do that it would be kind of cost prohibitive because you're not going to make any more money off the collector's boosters. And, like, and right now, you wouldn't be able to do it. You can't get any of the supply side crisis. You just, well, yeah, that, that's the bigger issue during COVID. That's probably a non-starter of a discussion. You're right. And I don't think there's any more money to be made. That's the other thing. Like the amount of money they would spend to get virtually none back, because you're going to sell out of collector's boosters anyway. They almost always sell out regardless. So even if they up the print run on collector's boosters for this, like say even 10%, which would be a big number, they're probably still going to sell out anyway. So you're not going to make all that much more money because you would do it. So that, that whole argument or idea just makes no sense. The other is that anybody who's ever worked in a warehouse or you've lived in a house for a long time or whatever, stuff just turns up. Like that's a real thing. Hell, I know there's stuff in my attic in this house we've been in for a year and a half at this point that I've never seen. And I only know it exists because we had somebody working on an exhaust thing up there. And he was like, oh, there's some random stuff in your attic. I was like, great. Never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so there could be stuff anywhere in a warehouse. Let me tell you. And even being at Wizards, there was times where I would get these like biannual reports of things like promos and other things our team was in charge of that we had to make the call of like, do we destroy these? Do we save these? Do we need them for an event? You know, whatever. And there would be stuff that would show up on the next one that are definitely older than the items that showed up on the previous one, but they weren't on the last report because they just found them in the warehouse or whatever. Right. And people don't even know, like wizards has multiple warehouses around the country because they're printing in multiple places and whatever or around the world. So yeah, it's very possible for stuff to just be tucked behind something or boxes stuck on top of other boxes. So you think they're all the same product until you clear the palette and you're like, oh, wait, these aren't the same, you know? So who knows? The other thing is there was a discussion of like, well, how do we know Wizards wasn't just sitting on them and they didn't really find them? Well, one, it doesn't change anything. Yeah. Like, why, why do you care that you could get cool stuff? <laughs> The reality is they existed just the same, whether they're making up that they just found them in a warehouse or that they knew they were sitting in a warehouse. doesn't matter. Like the exact same packs still exist in reality. You know what I mean? Like not, literally nothing's different from our side, whether you're talking about 
like financial, secondary market stuff, collector's market stuff, whatever. It, it literally doesn't change. So that's a weird thing to even be worried about anyway. They, even if it's just for fun marketing, to be able to say, hey, we found these boosters and we want to give them to people. Like, okay, cool. Now, I will give everybody a little bit of extra insight. We know that those weren't just held on to. They were actually found because there was already stories from, I believe, uh, Matt Danner, who went to one of these warehouses and was helping to like work on stuff and they found them. Also, last winter, I believe the D&D employees were also offered the opportunity to get a Legends booster, I believe from the company store or whatever, just as a regular Christmas bonus kind of type thing added to the other stuff they normally get. Says Very cool. Yeah. So just like a cool, hey, we had a good year. Y'all are working hard. COVID sucks. On top of what you normally get to have a Legends booster, whatever. So, yeah, we knew about these at least a year ago or close to a year ago. So, yeah, it's a non-story. I just want to put that out there. Now, the other weird part is that, as exciting as that is, they're going to appear in 3% of the collector's boosters. That's pretty small. 3%. That would mean, in theory, there's 12 of those boosters to a box of collector's boosters. So, for every... Eight to nine boxes. One of those. Well, that's not true. I, yeah, I guess you'd have to get at least seven, I guess, to get you in the reasonable range of guarantee, quote unquote, guaranteeing, you know, it's random, but guaranteeing that you hit one. That's that's uh, it's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. And they didn't say that it was just going to be the rares. <laughs> At least from what I could find. So it is possible you just open like Cobalt's a Kerr Keep or something. So it's still exciting because you got a random Legends card that for newer players maybe even had a, never had a chance to own. So it's probably still cool. Yeah, but, I'm pretty sure I don't have any. Yeah, so that's kind of neat. But people might be sad when they're like, oh, I got an off. You know, you'll be able to tell you got a different feel card. But, you know, it might not be anything expensive. But I don't. Could be fun for people to open these on on streams and stuff to see if they hit one. You know, those could be fun moments. So I don't know. I don't have a problem with the promotion. Honestly, I think it's neat. If there were if there were a downside, it would have been neat if even like some percentage of them appeared in regular boosters. You know, even if we said okay, you have a lower percentage chance of them showing up in a regular booster than you do in a collector's booster. Maybe collector's booster are 3% and regular boosters are like half a percent or something. I don't know. So it's super rare. But, you know, something. Even though, yeah, I'm sure the print runs for regular boosters and collector's boosters are probably like 50 to 1 or some insane number. We're probably bigger than that. So I I get it. But that's the only real downside I have. I think it's cool. I mean, because Watsy could have... I don't know, done a bunch of other things with these or saved them for events or conventions or whatever. And that would have been fine. But they've actually decided to just give them away. And again, they're not going to make that much more money on them because you're already going to sell out the whole print run anyway. So this is literally just a bonus gift. So, yeah, I think it's neat. I don't, how do you feel about it, dude? I mean, it's, it seems fun. Like, I mean, it, it predates me. <laughs> you know, it's a, like I, I needed you to explain to me why, why these were important because that was way before I started playing. Yeah, I guess that was, huh? I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I guess that was a while. 
But yeah, so I, like the, the main reason I wanted to bring the topic up, though, is like when you see people immediately jumping to like conspiracy theory, like I always ask people like, OK, but what's the conspiracy? You know, we've talked about it before on the show. Like, you know, if you're going to tell me like, well, what if Watsy didn't just find these and they just had them? OK, cool. But what does that do? Like, why are we wasting thought energy on this? Like, what? Yeah, what's like, why do we still, you still got a chance to get a cool thing you didn't have before, right? Yeah, like, what's the point of the discussion? They're still giving you something for free. They already existed one way or the other. So why do we care? You know? Now, the idea of, like, they could have printed some or whatever. All right, if you don't know the logistics, that is a fair thing. And then you explain it to somebody, and that's kind of the end of the argument. Right. No, nobody in the finance magic finance world is concerned that wizards went out and printed some legends cards. So if they're not concerned, you probably don't need to be concerned because those would be the people with the most to potentially lose value if more of a particular card came on the market than previously existed or whatever. So probably not that big a deal. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's neat. Hopefully they keep finding ways to do stuff like this in the future. Hell, I think it'd be neat if they just use some old promos and different things or whatever for different smaller projects, because there's always something. But yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty hyped about it. I think it's neat. I I'm not going to buy any more product than I was going to buy before, just because it exists. But it's neat that it does, and we're going to get to see some cool moments on social media where people open some sweet cards. So I'm kind of down for it. But all that being said, and kind of to tie into today's stories let's talk about how we approach some of these conversations because this has come up a few times where people have wanted to be able to advocate for the right things to stand up for somebody but they don't really understand when is the best time to approach it or how to approach it or bring up a subject especially in gaming spaces right because everybody's having a good time you know, maybe they don't even realize what they said was a problem, but you don't want to be the person that's a downer and brings down the mood, you know, whatever. Like, so how do you best go about approaching those topics? And I don't know if you had a particular way you would talk about it, Brian, or the way you would bring it up. You know, for me, I always tend to do one of two things. I will either kind of mentally note it and then when that person gets up from the table or wrapping up, I may like politely pull them aside and talk about it after the fact, just to be like, Hey, I'm not sure if you're aware, you know, here's the situation. And a lot of, you'd be surprised how often the people just go like, Oh dude, I didn't know. Or, Hey, thanks for pointing it out for me. Like I didn't mean to be offensive or whatever, you know, one of those types of things. And that's usually the easy way to get around it. Not a real big deal. You know, that, that to me tends to work best. The other is you can approach it just, you know, through a message or whatever. If you all share on the same message board or Discord server or whatever, you could do it that way and it's kind of quiet and you don't really involve anybody. But I don't know, Brian, like when it's come up, how have you reached out to people? I mean, I, I that's probably the way I should do it. I usually probably say that you will. I just, I'm kind of, I guess, spur of the moment, stream of consciousness here. <laughs> Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'm not going to say I haven't told people just straight up. Like, there's sometimes when it's like obviously egregious and like you knew you were saying something, but you just took a moment to not care. I'll call you on your BS. Like I said, I definitely think it it kind of is 
almost like uh, you know when you're trying to figure like okay do they realize they said something or said or did something that yeah kilter and i think to me that's the biggest deal right that if you if you think that if it comes off like they don't know then it's like okay let me let me be a little nicer to this person because they they may be because honestly i've been one of those people where I've said or done something, and then somebody points out, like, hey, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I was like, oh, crap. Like, you know, thanks. You know, and then I'll reach out to the person and just like, hey, if you didn't, I didn't mean that. If that bothered you, I'm sorry, you know, whatever. And, you know, yeah, I can just. I, was say, I definitely would say, yeah, I've been on the other side of that. We, we both, I'm sure, have probably so, like, placed our feet into our large mouth at some point. Look at it. I've also been the time where, like, I've said something I knew I probably shouldn't have said. And I've had somebody just look at me and go, dude, was that really necessary? And I'm like, y'all are right. You know what I mean? Like, for real, like, I, I need to reel it in. You know, so I think there's levels to it. You know, and honestly, I feel like most of the time your group or table kind of understands. Like, I don't think I've seen one of those times where somebody brought something up and the table went, oh, are you serious? You know what I mean? Like, everybody kind of at least goes like, all right, cool. Thanks for pointing it out. And then they move on. I think the issue is just don't try to make a scene out of it. I think it's probably the safest way to approach it. You know, because I because I think by doing that, you are setting up a situation where all of a sudden tensions are going to get really high. Right? Whereas if you just politely point it out or whatever, I don't think people really have an issue with it. Even even store owners and stuff. Like if you if you don't if you're afraid to say something or something bothers you, go get one of the employees, you know, go get the shop owner, manager, whatever, whoever's there and just be like, Hey, I don't know if you're aware, but like we have a person over here that keeps saying X, Y, Z, you know, when it's bothering some folks, like, could you at least pull them aside and say something or whatever? Cause it's making everybody uncomfortable. And you'd be surprised a number of times the employee would just go like, yeah, I got you, you know, and they'll pull the person aside and the person usually will apologize to the staffer and be like, oh, hey, I didn't realize I was getting that far out of line. And then they'll come back to the table. And nobody has to be weird about it. And it's all cool. You know, the people at the table won't even realize anything happened. And it's all good. So there's multiple ways, I think, to go about it. The only thing I can say is, like, just don't ever just not say anything. Right. Don't let the idea of just like you don't know how to approach situation keep you from standing up for something you believe in or trying to protect the right people or whatever. Right. And like I said, even if that means you don't say something directly and you have to go get somebody in charge to say something or I don't know hell, if you're in a tournament, go get the head judge or whoever it is. Right. But somebody will address it because I think that's part of the problem is when we don't address things. You let people get comfortable being that way. And then, you know, you're way down the line before they actually get dealt with. And then who knows the number of people we've chased away from our games or our industries because we didn't deal with any of these problems. But uh, on the other side, it can get exhausting, you know, being the one that's constantly having to explain why something was racist <laughs> to, you know, because like, sometimes it's the same people <laughs> or same group of people. So I would say definitely you're not necessarily, and we, we, we've had this conversation about like, are you obligated to, to explain, you know, why something 
is offensive. I feel like not always. It can get exhausting. Yeah, and that's a real conversation, you know. Uh, and that's always tough for me when I see people say, well, I don't need to explain a thing to you, or I just don't need this. And and rightfully so, right? It's their right to not say something. I oftentimes choose to, though, from the stance of at least if I say something, I can make sure you hear it from a source that's going to give it to you the way you can understand it. Or also, I know you're getting it, or I can direct you to a source that will be accurate. Whereas if I just leave you to your own devices, you may never find the thing or come to the right conclusion. You're going to end up talking to a new TSR. (laughs) Maybe, you know, we're like, I don't know. These guys were on my whatever message board. Let me ask one of them. You know what I mean? And that could happen. You know, and they're like, nah, whatever. They're not worried. They're just being too woke or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Being too woke and too black. You you, you must see their intelligence score over here. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, what was his intelligence score? Nah, must have been an eight. He doesn't know what he's talking about. No, but but really, I, I think that's part of it, too. I would rather be the source or at least the direction toward a source for somebody to get the correct information. And I feel like for each time I don't do that, I am risking that person not getting the proper perspective. And, you know, and you're right. It is exhausting for a lot of people. Fortunately, I'm an extrovert of extroverts. So (laughs) I carry a lot of the extra weight for a lot of folks. And I get it. But you do, too. Yeah. So so I get it. But, yeah, I always tell people, worst case scenario, if you don't know how to address a thing, go to the trusted person in charge nearest you and then just let them address it and it'll get the same effect you don't look like the bad guy you know none of that and it just it just makes it a lot easier and ultimately your game spaces are going to be friendlier happier everybody's going to learn together and it's just going to be more positive and that's really the goal at the end of all this is make our spaces more inviting so we can have more fun with more people all right brian why don't you tell everybody where to find you on socials Right. I am Brian Sonic on uh, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And all of you should tell all your friends to come subscribe. Come follow me over on the YouTubes as we're coming up on 20,000 subscribers. We're probably about a month away from hitting the goal. So thank you all for that. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves with, gosh, I don't know, we got COVID, monkeypox, the, that new thing, that's gonna, the meringue virus or whatever, morung virus, whatever the hell that is. Like, keep your family safe and remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base 